The following episode of Geeks and Beats contains language or subject matter that may be unsuitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. The fact that I've taken the entire month of February off and I haven't shaved once, she does not like the beard. I want my daddy back. Exactly. Uh, so I'm going to do a whole month of this, and it's it's coming in gray. Well, first time I'm seeing this. Well, this is exactly why I shave every two days like clockwork. I don't like the color that my beard appears in. <laughs> it, uh, I have managed to avoid uh, all gray hair at at this point in my life and the only place it comes in is is in my whiskers so i every two days i shave them off because i do not want to see that color on my face yeah yeah says, daddy you look like grandpa I'm like oh thanks for that i used to be with it but then they changed what it was now what i'm with isn't it and what's it seems weird and scary to me it'll happen to you <laughs> From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. It's Valentine's Day. I fucking hate Valentine's Day. <laughs> You've got a playlist for Alan and a playlist for the lover or other stranger in your life. We'll also introduce you to rapper... We'll also introduce you to rapper Bubba ba- Baba Baba. It's Baba. We'll also introduce. We'll also introduce you to rapper Baba. God damn it. We'll also introduce you to rapper Baba Brinkman. We'll also introduce you to rapper Baba Brink. Why can't I say this? I don't know. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. So y'all excited about Valentine's? I am not. It is designed expressly to make men feel guilty. Well, there was a, a comedian who had a good point that this is the worst time for Valentine's Day because it's the height of the flu season. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what are you supposed to do? Buy overpriced roses because they're, you have to get them from a greenhouse someplace far, far south and they have to be transported here? No. No, it's ridiculous. Although, although I do uh, like what's happened in the last 10 or 15 years or so. You know what March 14th is? No, what? Oh, yeah, I think I do know what March 14th is. Well, it is a way to sort of even out Valentine's Day. Yeah. Well, just uh, let's, let's just leave it at that. And, and people, you know, here's what I want you to do. Just bing uh, March 14th. Did you just say bing March 14th? Yeah, I'm tired of Google. <laughs> We're going to bing everything from now on. So over at geeksandbeats.com, we have a large collection of playlists uh, for Valentine's Day. One for those who love the Valentine's Day, one for those who do not. I wanted to bring in someone who understands the science behind affection, love, and all of that nonsense. Baba Brinkman is a New York-based Canadian rapper behind shows including the Rap Guide to Climate Chaos, the Rap Guide to Evolution, and the Rap Guide to Human Nature. He premiered his look into the scientifically informed search for a mate in the modern world at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival back in 2010. It premiered in New York 
two years later. It has evolved into a show called Ingenious Nature that the New Yorker calls a mashup of schoolhouse rock and sex in the city as performed by a young Eminem. Tonight's documentary presentation will explore the short-term mating behavior of one of the most remarkable creatures in all creation, the Homo sapien. Homo sapiens, also known as humans, generally mate in pairs, creating the illusion of a monogamous constitution. But the truth is slightly more elusive. Joining us from New York, Baba Brinkman. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks a lot, guys. It's great to be on the show. You know, from what I've seen of what you've done, you're the next Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, well, that would be cool. Um, you know, the, the thing about evolution is you, you never really know uh, what's going to happen with a new species offshoot on the phylogenetic tree until much later. Uh, it could be destined for oblivion or it could be uh, the seeding of a whole new branch. And I hope, you know, I hope the science rap angle uh, blows up. Uh, but, you know, you know, you can only retrospectively coordinate a species as a founder species. Now, what's interesting to me about this is that you're using this art form that is the main cultural driver. Musically, it's the main cultural driver in society right now to actually teach people and teach kids. Uh, about what about science, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, uh, they don't they don't really let me rap for kids below a certain age because uh, <laughs> you know it, it being evolutionarily uh, inspired. There's a lot of sex and violence because <laughs> uh, you know that's that's evolution, right? Survival and reproduction. Uh, but there there's some bits that I get to go do in some high schools occasionally. So where do you fall on the whole Valentine's Day for or against? Well, I, I do feel like it's a it's a holiday that does uniquely put pressure on. Uh, on on the guys like what are you going to do this year um you know it's not I can't, I can't say it's something i necessarily like look forward to excitedly but i am also known to uh rise to the occasion when properly inspired and well this year it's been a little different than uh, if, if you had asked me sort of five six years ago it would have i would have had a different mentality but um you know I, i'm married with two kids and th now the valentine pressure goes from you know how do i book the right restaurant or find the right source of roses to damn it all my babysitters have boyfriends <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't think we're actually going to get to go out on Valentine's. We've, we've exhausted every possible person that could watch our kids. And they're all like, sorry, my boyfriend's taking me out. Um, so it looks like we're going to do something on the 15th instead, which is all right. I never thought of that. Yeah, getting a babysitter would be very difficult because if they have boyfriends, they're unavailable. I'm like, where's the sad sacks that don't have relationships that can watch my kids? It's kind of I mean, it's like it's, it's sort of heartwarming and depressing at the same time. Okay, so we've got the two playlists here on Spotify that we've put together at geeksandbeats.com. I'm going to run down the one that's pro-Valentine's, and you tell me which one jumps out at you and why. Uh, right at the top, it's Kenny Rogers' Lady. Lady, I'm your knight in shining armor, and I love you. Followed by Bruno Mars, Just the Way You Are, Billy Joel, She's Always a Woman, You're Still the One by Shania Twain, The Perfect Drug by Nine Inch Nails, Suzanne Tiani's <laughs> the, the Velocity of Love, All I Want Is You by You Two, By Your Side by Shadow. Wait, 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 wait. All what? I Want Is Oh, no, that's fine. That's an okay one. Never mind. Sorry. You're, you're okay no, with that? I'm okay. I, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith, and number 10, I'll Stand by You by The Pretenders. I'll stand by you. I'll stand. Stand by you. 
Uh, the Aerosmith one's about his daughter, so that's a little uh, creepy for a Valentine's reference. Sh- Shania Twain jumped out at me as well because I don't know if you know, but my old job before I was a rapper was a tree planter, uh, and that's actually what Shania Twain used to do before she was a country star as well. So there's a sort of, uh, you know, there's a pipeline in Canada of, of artists sort of paying their young way, paying their dues through college or getting travel money off, money off of planting trees uh, in the wilderness and then and then transitioning to a um, entertaining career. So I think the Aerosmith one uh, is a recommendation from Donald Trump. Mm, yes, that's exactly. Yeah, if you weren't my daughter. This is just gross. Can we move on to the next list, please? All right. So this is the Valentine's Day (laughs) list. Uh, Franz Ferdinand, uh, Cheating on You, Kaiser Chiefs, Every Day I Love You Less, Uh, Weird Al's One More Minute, Uh, Three Days Grace, I Hate Everything About You, Number Five, Bill Withers, Ain't No Sunshine, Number Six, CeeLo Green, Fuck You. Number seven, I don't know about Sinead O'Connor. Nothing compares to you. Uh, no, I no, that shouldn't be on that list. I think you're right. Uh, Jay Giles Band, Love Stinks, should have been number one. Number nine, Big Brother and the Holding Company, Turtle Blues. And number 10, Nazareth, Love Hurts. I just feel like there's a severe lack of hip-hop on both of these lists. Oh, well, then hook us up. Give, give us a name. Give us a, sh- a song. Well, if you want a, if you want an anti-Valentine song, then you can pick one of many songs that proclaims unequivocally, uh, this is I'm Mr. Right Now, not Mr. Right. So we could go with, like, Jay-Z, Big Pimpin'. You know I thug them, fuck them, love them, leave them, cause I don't fucking need them. Take them out the hood, keep them looking good, but I don't fucking feed them. First time they fuss, I'm breathing. Talk about, what's the reason? I'm a pimpin' every sense of the word, bitch. Better trust and believe them. The Valentine's celebration is about what a biologist would call long-term mating behavior, and a lot of hip-hop is explicitly about celebrating short-term mating behavior uh, to the detriment of long-term, because, you know, moving on. Uh, but hip-hop's, you know, hip-hop's going to be a classic source of all that. You know, some good love songs and rap as well. Um, you, could, you could do a little, like, uh, Bonnie and Clyde with Jay-Z and Beyonce, or, um, you know, there's some, uh, me, maybe Me and My Bitch, if we want to go back to Biggie again. You know, not a... Doesn't sound like a romantic song. It's actually an extremely romantic song. We should point out that Michael is the whitest man known to the human species. 
<laughs> yes, I'm almost transparent. Hip hop is the universal art form, and uh, you know, my my part of my attraction of it is that you can tell a story, uh, you know, just nuts and bolts. Like there's more words per minute in a rap song than there is in almost any other music genre, uh, or any other music genre really. So if you want, uh, if you want like really fleshing out the nuances of a concept, I'd say rap songs will give you more than uh, than than rock or pop would. Well, let's step back then and talk about your show. And um, let's talk about the short-term mating dance. You've got a great video on YouTube about that. That, quite frankly, was really awkward for me to watch. What is a woman looking for? What is a man looking for? What has your research into becoming a science-oriented rap artist taught you? Sure. So that uh, that that short term mating dance video, um, ironically, it was filmed in 2004. Uh, you know, before um, I, I made the song, I think I made the song in 2010. But then I found this old footage on a camcorder. My brother was actually running at it. It's just me like trying to dance with girls at, at a um, at an after hours party at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And so I did this whole motif of like David Attenborough narrating the human species. Um, and things that people look to uh, for attractiveness, things like facial symmetry or, um, you know, women tend to uh, notice the um, shoulder to hip ratio of males. So of like wider shoulders, narrower hips is a sort of attractiveness trigger. And then for, for men, it tends to be the hip to waist ratio. These are s- sort of seen to be signals of fertility potential or, or sort of mate value. Uh, a lot of this stuff is from evolutionary psychology. But what's interesting is that, um, you know, males and females tend to converge on a lot of the criteria that they want for a long-term mate. So both want sort of intelligence and stability and sense of humor and, um, you know, conscientiousness and a lot of these, a lot of the criteria end up being the same because once you're co-investing in kids, as my wife and I are now, then, you know, then your sort of evolutionary interests are aligned. But when it's a short, like a hookup, a short-term mating uh, activity, males and females diverge a lot. So male criteria, let's say, is much lower uh you know men are sort of if you if a random woman approaches a man and offers him sex random men will generally say yes but it's not the case that it's vice versa women are much choosier because of the greater investment of uh, the potential outcome if they get pregnant from a one-time hookup which can happen so evolution sort of predicts a different psychology around short-term versus long-term mating that song is all about the short-term criteria that males versus females use uh and you know it's one of those things where like if you've been out on the dating scene or at clubs or just trying to hook up and pull and flirt, the evolutionary psychology research is super intuitive. You're like, oh, yeah, that's that's pretty much exactly what it's like. Yep. OK, hang on back up. Maybe this fully explains my university experience. Oh, it explains mine. Yeah. I know all about the hip to waist ratio that men look for in women, but I didn't know there was a commensurate hip to shoulder ratio oh, for women on. of men. Come so I, I, what are you I, I am a 30. 3036 in that department. What does that say about my attractiveness to women? Uh, 3036 as in your shoulders are narrower than your hips? No, no, no. Oh, come on. No, I've got a 30 hip. i got a 36 shoulder. Okay. <laughs> I've, um, you know what? I, I, I don't actually have the numbers in front of me, so I could I would have to like see a visual of comparison. But one of the ways that they've actually tested this is by sort of digitally altering photos uh, to, to ex- exaggerate the hip to waist or to hip to shoulder ratio. And if you think about it, like think about Marvel comics, right? Like you've got the Wonder Woman, like teeny little waist and, you know, total hourglass figure. But if you think of the, the men in like a, in like a superhero comic, they've got the like little tidy white 
mighty spandex and then the like huge muscular shoulders and you know people this is this this is sort of like giving people what they want on a psychological le- level you know there's a, there's a reason they they don't sort of under exaggerate those differences instead of over exaggerate them i'm not sure how i you know i could giving the numbers i couldn't place you on the spectrum uh just in my head but um i just looked it up askmen.com waist to hip ratios for men between 0.85 and 0.95 are rated by women as most attractive with 0.9 being the most attractive so if i'm 30 in the waist but 35 in the shoulders 36 36 give yourself a little bit you know take that inch Hey, 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 watch it. That puts me at 0.87. Ooh. So I'm almost attractive. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to go there. Yeah, I was just going to say, dude. Yeah, not, I'm not even ask about you. You know, the right cut suit with a little shoulder pad action, you know, you can max out to your 0.9 there and you're set. That's the thing I have learned, and I learned this a long time ago. I don't care if you're spending $200 or $20,000 on a suit. If it is not bespoke, if it is not made to measure, you're going to look like crap. Yep, never buy a suit off the rack. What are the short-term mating dance rituals for women? It's way too late for me now. But what did I miss? My wife is always making fun of me, saying that, did you not know that that woman was hitting on you? I go, no, why would she hit on me? I didn't see anything. Oh, come on, you idiot. So what have I been missing in terms of what the women have been doing maybe to me? Well, there's uh, there's some research that shows that women are more attracted to um, creativity and sense of humor for short term, and other and like opposite cues things of like stability and and, and sensibility for long term. So they're you know they had this they had this great study where um, they had these sort of narratives of an art student who had no talent but lucked into selling a bunch of abstract like spilled paint pieces uh, for huge money at a at a sort of postmodern art museum but then there's another um, guy who's hugely talented but just really unlucky and living in his parents base basement but everyone who sees the painting say oh this guy's a genius but too bad he's like falling in hard times and there's this thing that happens where um, women are more interested in the lucky talentless guy for a long-term uh, relationship but more interested in a hookup with the talented luckless guy um, but but mainly during the peak of their ovulation cycle so there's good genes in talent but not necessarily good uh, good sort of provider potential um so you know maybe when you were getting that vibe uh from those women it was actually something to do with the hormonal cycle where they were at peak fertility and you had said something witty or done something yeah, that unlikely. uh yeah, revealed the symmetry of your of your body motions or something uh that sort of that that triggered the uh the or ovulatory response see even if i did i wouldn't have have noticed it but this does explain mick jagger it does explain 
um, Steven Tyler. It explains Rick Ocasek. It explains Lyle Lovett and any number of really ugly dudes who end up with extraordinarily hot women. The thing to keep in mind also is that our species has concealed ovulation. Like there's no ambiguity about when a chimp or a bonobo is in heat and ready to ready to go. Right. So um, but our species like you, can, you can't just look at a woman and know where she's at uh, in her cycle in, in terms of fertility. And that's actually an evolutionary uh, paradigm that they've 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 evolved to make those symbols disappear. And the ambiguity is part of actually their mating strategy. So we're not supposed to know. We're supposed to guess. And they, they hold the cards in that regard. And as I understand it, that is why lipstick is popular. The flushed lip is what was originally an evolutionary trigger, an indicator. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be part of it. I think there's like a vivaciousness aspect that probably shape. I mean, I don't think every application of lipstick is meant to literally say my eggs are dropping at this moment. Um, but I think as a subliminal cue, that's part of it. And also just like I'm a person that's full of life, not a person that's drained of life. Okay, so my little David Attenborough-esque search on the topic of human sexuality uh, led me to read that social gatherings are frequently arranged to enable people looking for a partner to meet. But the smartphones changed all of that. Since a fair amount of what you've produced over the years happened before the advent of the smartphone, are you going to have to update a lot of your lyrics? Well, I don't, I don't think so, because I think it, if you look at um, the, the last several millennia of technological development, the idea is that the technology changes, but the instincts say the same. So our, our species is, um, you know, we evolved in a very different environment than we are now. Uh, something that you said about how human nature plays itself out against the technological landscape 10 years ago will be different than how human nature plays itself out against the technological landscape with, with Tinder and the smartphone situation. But it's, you know, the interesting thing is sketching out the instincts and, and how they're predicted to respond to different scenarios. It's just the environment that's changing, uh, but we're not, our genes aren't changing fast enough to keep up with it. So, um, you know, you can still say things about human nature that are accurate and just what changes changes is the predictions about how it's going to respond to the environmental circumstances. But, however, when we talk about technology and smartphones, it does talk about this does lend itself to a discussion of what kind of, for example, uh, for example, what kind of uh, Tinder profile picture you have. You have to make sure that you, you know, maybe highlight that those those ratios between shoulders and hips and hips and waist. Well, I'm, I'm not sure if it's still the case now, but um, I before my wife and I met, I was on OkCupid and part of the reason I loved OkCupid was because they actually have a data analysis page that releases publicly all of the trends of people responding to various pictures and profiles and things like that. So if you want a sort of fascinating um, window into human behavior in what I would say is a fairly honest context, right? Because you don't really like not that the profiles are honest, but the responses to them are honest because everybody's got a motive uh, to meet someone either for short term or ultimately long term uh, uh, mating purposes. So what they respond to is not necessarily about a performance because that you know they're being tracked in a statistical metadata sense but like who they swipe on is not about to be uh published if it was those sites wouldn't actually work or go very far um so i would 
check out. Okay, I'm, I, but I'm, you know, I can't speak to whether that's still the case. Maybe, maybe Tinder releases their metadata now too. But OK Cupid definitely does. And looking at their sort of data graphs of responses is really fascinating. Listen, if they, if somebody can make a, a a giant hit out of the story of Alexander Hamilton, why can't you be the next Lin Manuel, whatever his name is? Exactly. We'll try to be the we'll try to be the Lin Manuel of science communication, and uh, you know that that wouldn't be doing too bad. He's a genius. Professor Proton, the rapper, yes. Baba Brinkman's peer-reviewed rap comedy about free will, brain cells, and the science of consciousness opens at the Soho Playhouse in New York, March 1st. Hope you can come check it out. It runs for two months. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, guys. Ever wanted to be a big shot co-producer? It's just like Hollywood. Visit geeksandbeats.com to learn how you can pad your resume with an exciting show credit. We'll even send you the album cover of your episode, suitable for framing in your parents' basement. Over at geeksandbeats.com, we learned that the band Strictly Hip and uh, Gore Downey fans raised $10,000 for the Downey Windjack Fund over at the uh, the Horseshoe. Yeah, these people are doing some great work. They go back to the um, Courage for Gord found, uh, Courage for Gord website that was up and running while Gord was still alive. They've done some good work, and I, I wish Rob and everybody involved in this project to continue with the momentum that they've they've built and continue to raise money for for cancer research and other things. There was a great conversation as well that Amber Healy, who was live on location at the big show, uh, had a big conversation with uh, those who made all of this possible. So if you go to geeksandbeats.com, an interesting conversation about that night in Toronto with the checkerboard floors, as, as of course, Downey himself had sung. It was the 2nd of February that several hundred people gathered in the back room of the Horseshoe Tavern to kick off the Family Band Benefit Concert uh, series. And so uh, $10,000 goes to helping those who need it. Yeah. And Gord's birthday would have been last week. He would have been 54. Meantime, John Perry Barlow. I have no idea, or at least I didn't until I went to the website, had no idea who this man was. You didn't? No. John Perry Barlow was a, a lyricist for the Grateful Dead. He was very well regarded in that uh, that hippie sort of circle. And uh, he was also one of the co-founders of the Electronic Frontier Foundation. He was uh, very, very active in making sure that the Internet was a, a free and open place. And uh, he had a heart attack a couple of years ago, 2015, I guess it was. And he never really properly recovered from that. So uh, I think his death is related to... Um, that heart attack from a couple of years ago. He was interviewed uh, on NPR back in 1996, saying that he was living in Wyoming and he started to think a lot more about deadheads and community. He pointed out he came from a little town in Wyoming that seemed to be languishing in the demise of agriculture. And he was looking at the things like the deadheads who seemed to have a, a kind of a sh shared sense of responsibility for one another. And he couldn't understand how they maintained a sense of continuity, given that they only got together at shows or when the band was on the road. I suppose suppose it speaks to the fans of the Grateful Dead. Yeah, it does. The, the dead were always kind of ahead technologically. They had one of the world's greatest PA systems back in the day when PA systems were just put together piles of speakers. Uh, and then the dead were also very much into trading tapes, which I guess was the forerunner of the file sharing that we saw come later. And the dead had mailing lists. The dead had all kinds of stuff linking fans together. So um, they were pioneers in, in, in a number of ways that are now commonplace. Over at geeksandbeats.com, we want to say thank you very much uh, to our patrons, who if you go to Geeks and Beats and click on the support the show link, you can become a member of the world's worst intern program. Chef Mike Benninger, Matthew Bartram, Dan Rosen, Thermos, 
and Roland Wood are among our interns this week who so wait, uh, wait, ponied wait. up a dollar. What? Yes. Thermos. Thermos. I, I don't know his real name. That's just what he's listed. All right. We did discuss this once before that maybe he's trying to compete against the world's greatest travel mug, the miracle travel mug of traveling that we sell on the website for a couple of bucks that goes into our pockets. OK, well, we'll just call him um, vacuum jug. <laughs> And Roland Wood, thank you to you as well uh, for opening your wallet and donating at least a dollar to help make the show per episode uh, possible. And all the cash that we do raise on Patreon goes right back into the big show. There is going to be a big music event this summer that we're just sort of trying to get our ducks in a row on. And we want to be there. But if we're going to be there, we need to have some sort of presence. And that means signs and things like that. So anything you donate is going to go towards uh, making it possible for us to, to actually be down at that big music event. Cosmo Music. Do you know Cosmo Music? Uh, the store, yes. They have a massive event every single year. And they've invited us to come down and uh, be a part of the big thing. Cosmo Music is a very good music store in Toronto, uh, in the north part of the city. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be definitely worthwhile. Do we have a date on that yet? You know what? It's buried somewhere in there. It's like June 2nd. Okay. I'll make sure that I'm here because I've got a lot of traveling coming up. By the way, uh, we'll get to that. Um, I am leading a tour of rock and roll landmarks in London, England, with Flight Center starting on May the 11th. It runs a week, and I will be your tour guide along with some other local guides. And if you are interested in coming along, uh, send me an email, alan at alancross.ca, and I'll hook you up. Oh, my God. Are you, are you going to have to hold up one of those signs so that everyone knows where you are and they follow you along? Oh, you haven't been on one of these trips in a while. No, you hold up a flag now. What? So is it attached to your back? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Everybody over here, we're getting on the tube. Come on, let's go. Oh, don't be laggard because we, no, we're going to leave you behind. If, you, if you've ever been to the Louvre in Paris, there's, uh, they do a similar sort of thing. Um, but some of the tour guys just hold up their umbrellas. So Wifey and her bestest friend in the whole wide world, Penny, uh, they were in uh, Paris a, a little while back. And they started screwing with the Japanese tourists by holding up their uh, umbrellas and wandering off in opposite directions. <laughs> okay. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. It's Valentine's Day again. Fuck this shit. Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.